0: Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their eighth annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October.
1: This is Laura Dyrda with the Becker's Healthcare podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Steve Davis, president and CEO of Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. Steve, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today.
0: Thank you, Laura. I'm excited to uh, be here with you today.
1: I'm really, you know, thrilled that you're on the podcast, and I'm glad that we'll be able to jump into a lot of different topics in healthcare, and especially thinking through what children's health means today. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background?
0: Sure, Laura. So I am a pediatric critical care physician by training, and I spent the first half of my career really trying to understand how to be a great uh, ICU physician and then how to run great intensive care units. Over the course of the next decade, I started getting more and more involved in leadership uh, at the Cleveland Clinic and realized I needed to go back and get further education and got a master's in medical management from Carnegie Mellon. From that point on, I really was uh, going full speed ahead on leadership opportunities, and I was a chief operating officer at the Cleveland Clinic, and then about eight years ago, I made the transition to become the chief operating officer at Cincinnati Children's, and for about the last year and a half, I've had the pleasure of being the CEO of what I think is one of the finest hospitals in the world here in Cincinnati.
1: Well, that's fantastic to hear. And, you know, I I love that you were able to really embrace that career from going from the clinical side now to the operations and and now running uh, Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. From your perspective, what really makes the hospital unique and special, and why was it so important for you to uh, be leading such a great institution for pediatric care?
0: Laura, I'll start with the second uh, part of your question first. The reason it was uh, so important to me to have this role is that I've spent my whole adult life trying to focus on making things better for children. And at each stage of my career, I was aiming for greater and greater impact. And to impact the future of kids, there really is no other place uh, that has more potential than Cincinnati Children's. What makes us different and special is About 100 years ago, one of our uh, actually board chairs, I think, at the time, made a very large donation and created the uh, Cincinnati Children's Research Foundation. And it was a donation from William Cooper Proctor, who uh, was part of the Procter & Gamble uh, fame. And that uh, development of the research foundation sent us on a trajectory much different than almost any other children's hospital, with the exception of uh, a couple of the, the ones on the East Coast, like Boston and Philadelphia. We are the second or third largest children's hospital in the country, and we're in the 49th largest metropolitan market. The reason we've been able to grow so successfully is that our research foundation has been making ground breaking uh, research developments for decades. That's allowed us to attract world-class faculty and allowed us to bring in patients from all 50 states and 58 countries.
1: That's amazing to hear. What a great accomplishment and certainly outstanding to have such a great facility here in the United States and, and in Cincinnati as well. Now, given your spot as President and CEO of Cincinnati Children's, what are some of the opportunities you see, especially focused on pediatric care and improving? And then what are the headwinds that you have your eye on right now?
0: So, Laura, you may have to cut me off on the opportunities part because We are at a period of tremendous advancement in our research foundation. Uh, Just as a simple metric, when I came eight years ago as the COO, I think we had gotten about $190 million in external funding from the NIH and other funding agencies. And in this current year, we will surpass $300 million in funding. What's more important than the total of the funding are the kinds of discoveries that are made here. And just a couple of recent ones uh, to highlight the kinds of things that happen here. Our scientists discovered a super antibody that will open the door for new vaccines and new therapies. And we have a long history of vaccine development here, dating back to Dr. Sabin and the development of the polio vaccine, the development of the rotavirus vaccine, our work on the COVID vaccine, and our work on the RSV vaccine. We have the only pediatric vaccine trials unit in the country funded by the government. There are 10 of them. Nine are in adult hospitals. One is here with us. Um, other kinds of developments, like our work, uh, Dr. Pestian, who leads our computational science center, has worked with Oak Ridge National Labs to combine clinical data sets with publicly available data sets and is looking at being able to predict which children are most at risk from mental health conditions. And our cancer and biology uh, uh, department has helped advance proton therapy to the point where we are the only place in the world right now doing flash proton therapy for kids with cancer, and it was well more than a decade in the making, uh, led by some of our really exceptional cancer docs. So those are just a few of the kinds of highlights that happen at a place like this and why I'm incredibly proud to be the CEO here. The headwinds that I'll highlight are some that I think everyone is facing, We have uh, workforce challenges like most other places. The pandemic didn't cause them. We were already seeing a shifting demographic in the U.S. with an older population, fewer people going into healthcare, and then the pandemic certainly exacerbated that. We're fortunate that we are one of the uh, great places to work. I think um, Forbes magazine had us as the number 10 on their list of great places to work which allows us to attract candidates from around the country. But I'd be lying to you if I said we didn't have workforce challenges. The other headwind is actually a positive for the state and for the people in Ohio. Uh, the governor and his leadership team in Ohio have done a phenomenal job of onshoring uh, companies, a major investment by Intel to open up a microprocessor factory in Columbus was a $20 billion investment that is leading to many other companies coming back to Ohio. While that is great for our economy and the people of Ohio, it's going to create even greater workforce challenges. And then within pediatrics, there are even uh, more significant workforce challenges. When you look at students coming out of medical school these days, they can owe easily over $200,000 in school loans by the time they finish. And many of the pediatric subspecialties are the lowest paid of all of the medical specialties, which is leading to fewer and fewer medical students choosing some of the pediatric subspecialties. There are already significant shortages in many of those areas nationally. We are faring pretty well here in Cincinnati, but the future is not bright for pediatric subspecialty trained physicians unless there's some significant changes in how they're uh, paid
1: that's a really great point and just so fascinating to think through how you know the workforce has evolved over the years and particularly where it's headed now as you mentioned obviously there are certain things that you can do um, in terms of the the pay and whatnot in, in other areas you can't control but When you think about your pipeline, you know, how are you planning for the future? What do you really see as being incredibly important to be able to recruit and retain the pediatric subspecialties that you need within Cincinnati Children's?
0: So you mentioned pay, and that's really only one element of uh, what it takes to be a great employer. We certainly have an excellent panel of benefits for our employees, and that is important as well, but one of the most important things to be able to recruit, develop, and retain the best talent is to have really strong leaders throughout the organization. So we've made and continue to make significant investments in developing uh, leaders from our frontline leaders all the way up to uh, the top. When you look at why people leave companies, most one of the most often cited reasons is that uh, they do not enjoy working for their boss. So, we, we want to make sure that we have strong leaders at every level of the organization to make this be the best place to work. Now, when you mentioned what are we doing in addition, one of the things that we focus on a lot is how is technology impacting the workforce. And that uh, has been an issue for many years. There's always been technologies used in healthcare that help make us more efficient. Many of them were not visible to us. One of a simple example is many, many years ago, uh, physicians or, or uh, lab personnel used to have to actually manually count the different types of red cells they would see on a specimen. Many years ago, that was automated, but now change is happening so quickly in terms of the use of technology, that it's uh, imperative that we understand how it's going to impact the workforce. As an example, six months ago or so, I had never heard of ChatGPT. I now use it every single day, and it allows me to be much more efficient. While that holds great promise for the future, we have to understand the impact it's going to have on our people and understand how to appropriately use it. That's an area that I'm incredibly excited about, but also a little anxious to make sure that we utilize the technology uh, safely and effectively.
1: Got it. That's a really great point and just so interesting to see how quickly, as you mentioned, the technology is evolving and being implemented and integrated into the healthcare space. Now, how are you thinking about growth and development and adding value to Cincinnati Children's? You've spoken uh, at length in terms of some of the great research that you're doing and ways that you're connecting with your community and caring for kids. And so I'd love to hear from your perspective how does that continue, especially as the healthcare landscape is evolving?
0: So it's certainly an evolving landscape, and there are several pressures. Uh, in healthcare today impacting children's hospitals. One of those uh, pressures is that many large uh, adult, primarily adult healthcare systems, didn't um, come through the pandemic with great strength, and they've been forced to tighten their belts, so to speak. And one of the areas that they've done that is their investment in pediatric care. And So there are now uh, adult health systems approaching children's hospitals like ourselves to help cover their pediatrics. And while that may in the long run be good for having more kids treated at children's hospitals, it creates a challenging dynamic because there aren't nearly as many freestanding children's hospitals as there are adult hospitals. And so it creates a challenge of distance and scale. Uh, so that's that's one of the challenges. We need to grow as ourselves as, as Cincinnati Children's for a couple of reasons. The market that we live in is not growing. Uh, it's fairly stable, but it is not an area of population growth. So when we look at our market share, we essentially have uh, almost the entire market for pediatrics in our area because we're the only children's hospital for many miles around us in any direction. Medicaid is the source of payment for over 50% of our patients. And while that is a great safety net for uh, children, it is not a great payer for healthcare systems. And so when we look at the challenges of uh, the Medicaid system and potentially thousands of kids falling off the Medicaid Uh, Roles in the coming months because of the end of the uh, pandemic-related funding, that puts a a burden on all hospitals that take care of large numbers of kids with Medicaid, Um, because if they fall off Medicaid, you may actually now have uh, families that are not able to pay for the care, and we're committed to being able to provide that care, but that puts more pressure on us to find ways to grow uh, revenue that will allow us to continue all the things that we do for kids and all of the research that we, uh, that I mentioned earlier. One of the things that uh, the vast majority of people don't understand about academic medicine is that I mentioned that we're going to get over $300 million in grant funding, which is fantastic, but that $300 million in grant funding uh, means that we have to be able to invest as an organization roughly another $150 million to cover the full costs of those research. Uh, so research does not make money, but it is part of our mission. It makes us who we are, and you know we will continue to invest in research that will make things better for kids. That said, it does put pressure on us to, to grow, and so we've taken a pretty aggressive strategy over the last couple of years to grow uh, farther and farther from our uh, current location in Cincinnati to be able to provide care closer to home. We have locations throughout Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio. We've also taken an approach of late to be more of a national and international uh, provider of care. And as I mentioned, we already see kids from every state and uh, 58 countries. We'll be looking to expand that volume even uh, further, and then the last area of growth that I'll highlight is uh, partnerships with non-traditional uh, partners for us. It's typical for us to partner with other health systems on research and care opportunities, but we're looking to partner with uh, with pharmacy, with for-profit tech firms, and others to help commercialize some of the great work that happens here. Not only to provide a profit margin for us, but to bring those discoveries to more and more patients uh, around the country more quickly.
1: Got it. Wow. That's you know a lot to think about and certainly a lot to keep in mind in terms of you know, how you can grow and expand and really be impactful for the community from connecting with the adult hospitals and partnering there to making sure that children, especially those on Medicaid have access to care and you're really able to service them in a way that makes sense. And and then obviously you're focused on research and, and really, um, making a difference in that space, it, it just must be very gratifying to look out and see, you know, how many different opportunities there are and, and challenges as well to work through, but, but really what that'll mean for children in the community, um, you know, as you move forward.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. And you mentioned children in the community, and uh, I, it would be important for me to mention that while we are looking at major advances in the basic sciences and other areas of research, we're putting a similar amount of effort into understanding the needs of our community, being better partners with our community, and we want to be the leader in improving child health. So we are investing heavily in understanding population health and how to care for a whole population of kids, rather than just one child at a time.
1: Absolutely fantastic. Well, and that you know, it kind of really. Um, dovetails nicely to my next question, because in looking at, obviously, as we've been talking through, there's a lot of challenges right now in healthcare, um, and especially thinking through the uh, financial challenges that a lot of organizations are facing, but still needing to provide care. So what are are some of the investments that are still worth making this year? Is it that population health or are there other areas too that really you see as being places that need additional resources and support to um, put yourself in the best position to move forward?
0: Yeah, I would say, you know, because our research foundation really is what has been the engine to drive us to where we are, we will always focus on investing in research that makes a difference for kids. The population health work is absolutely imperative that we understand how to take care of large groups of patients, keeping them healthy rather than just waiting for them to get sick and then providing care. And we have a a very large group of kids under a a value-based care model called Healthvine. We have over 140,000 kids now where we're really responsible for the totality of their care and we don't get paid fee for service and it is making a difference and we are learning how to better and better keep kids healthy rather than waiting for them to come to us when, we're, when they're sick. And then I mentioned uh, chat GPT and technology. We will continue to invest in understanding and best utilizing technology. One of the key areas that I'm really excited about that I think is gonna happen literally in the next year, maybe two at the most, is being able to have um, artificial intelligence scribes for medical documentation. The average doctor or nurse spends a couple of hours every day that they work on a typewriter. If we couldn't get to the point where uh, there's an ambient technology in the room listening to the conversation and then filling out the, the medical record, and then having the provider just um, edit and co-sign it. We could cut their documentation time by as much as 80 to 90 percent. And that already exists today. There are companies that do that uh, for smaller organizations uh, than a place like ours. But really, in the next year or two, that'll probably be available uh, on a wide scale, and that will do more to improve the quality of care than almost anything we could do. If we can have somebody get two hours back in their day to spend more time talking to patients and families, examining them, teaching their uh, residents and other nurses, that would make a huge difference. In addition, it would increase the accuracy and it would allow um, the physicians and the nurses to actually pay much better attention to uh, their patient. You now, I wonder if the last couple of times you've been to a doctor, they've been typing while you're talking to them. Uh, I know most patients find that off-putting, but if they're not doing that, they then have many hours of documentation to do when they're done. So. That, I think, is one of the areas that we will see literally in the next year or two that will have a huge impact on morale, productivity, quality, safety, uh, you name it.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a really great point. And, and, you know, I love that kind of focus on being able to bring the patient and physician or or nurse connection back together. Um, You know, it's been so fascinating to see how technology evolves and really exciting at the possibilities. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I just have one more question for you. Where do you see things headed in the future? Um, What are are some of the additional growth opportunities or any other areas that you really see for yourself or your teams at Cincinnati Children's is going to be a vital part of success going forward?
0: Um, I guess one of the key areas we're going to focus on is taking greater advantage of the uh, incredible research that happens here. And, accelerating the those developments to be able to get to patients faster and one of the things we'll do that will help us do that is really having those non-traditional partners and working with uh, you know major tech firms working with private equity firms and venture capitalists to help speed our discoveries to commercial products you know in the last 10 years we've had over 650 patents issued Uh, from the work that gets developed here, and uh, a number of licensing agreements, and 15 startup companies, and about 120 commercialized products, and that's without a major focus on that aspect of it. We are now realizing that that's a huge opportunity, not only to benefit more patients more quickly, but to add another source of revenue that will allow us to invest in those mission-driven things that uh, make us who we are as an organization.
1: I love that. Steve, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fun discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
0: Thanks, Laura. I'd be happy to talk to you at any time.